0: Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music on VC Confidential.
1: Welcome to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy and I'm here with my co host and partner at Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music. Together, we are the managing director of the Sibilla Masters Fund. You can learn more about that at masters.vc. Hi, Jillian. Hey, Ann. What's on your mind today? Well, it's a beautiful summer day here in Philly and I am so content. I just took a day trip away from my apartment for the first time. And oh my. God, I mean, 12, 13 weeks, something like that. A really long time. <laughs> yeah, I got to share a meal with friends on a sunny deck by the ocean and take a long walk on the beach. Well, to be honest, it was more of a long sit, but still, <laughs> and I have the sunburn to prove it, uh, which is surprising because I grew up by a beach and the beach is still and always my happy place. But, you know, California skins don't usually burn. But anyway, here we are. I yeah, think well, I it's been, been out I of California was, for a while <laughs> I have, and also, um, I think I had what we call quarantine pallor you know, mm. the, you know, lack of sunlight for, yeah. for all that time, anyway. So, I'm glorying in my sunburn, and um, it really feels like my soul is just as I said, so content after a long, long drought. So, ready to get my head back into our work this morning, and it occurred to me that entrepreneurs and investors alike spend a lot of time thinking about Series A. Series A, it's a tranche of funding. It is where the wheat is cut from the chaff in venture capital. And that's because this is the moment when it is decided whether a company is scalable and has the makings of a unicorn or not. Getting to Series A and becoming one of the very, very few companies on the planet to receive that capital investment, that's a major hurdle, isn't it, for every early-stage entrepreneur who wants to build the next unicorn? And honestly, a lot of them think they do, and Mm -hmm. maybe they shouldn't, but that's a whole – we talk about that a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, we've already talked about the various ways to capitalize fast-growing early-stage companies, and we'll take a much deeper dives into all the types of capital available in the future. But today, can we just start with defining conventional venture capital series A and how to get this? Conventional venture capital. You know what that is, Jillian? That's where investors hand you a box of money. Notice I did not say Mm -hmm. give, although hand is also a four-letter word, because Mm -hmm. you hand them a box of stock in your company, cash for equity. Yep. Yep. Jillian, you and I have done a lot of traveling, Mm -hmm. and I've heard you speak at conferences around the world. Almost every time you get on the stage, you ask the same question to the audience wait for it, what's your burning question?
2: (laughs) I do indeed, Anne. I say, what's your burning question? You've spent a lot of time planning and expense to get here, right? Most of you spent money on air tickets and ground transportation and hotels and restaurant costs. But whatever you spent in cash pales by comparison to the time you spent. Time is the one thing you cannot get back. And even if you're without a home or a job or both, you can work out ways to earn money again, but not time. You can't get that back. Once spent, it's gone forever. And so I ask you, why are you here? What's the answer to the burning question? And what do you need to hear to save to yourself when you're headed home and we're done here today? So that was so worthwhile. Asking that question helps the audience focus on what they want from my speech or a lecture or a discussion that day, whatever. It brings them to that kind of 30,000-foot level so they can assess what they need to know and how I can help them. And actually, I've changed the entire subject of lectures in some cases based on those answers. Uh, Not keynote speeches, of course, but in smaller colloquiums and training sessions and smaller lecture halls, you know, those kinds of things. So, Anne, what's your burning question? (laughs)
1: Right. (laughs) That was the (laughs) intro I heard you give. Yeah. Okay. Take a deep breath. My burning question today, it's this. How do I get to a Series A and join that very small group of companies that ever get that capital to grow their companies and take off for the stars? And remember, we're talking about conventional venture capital for equity. Okay.
2: Well, it turns out I've got some answers for you.
1: (laughs) Okay. I had every confidence, my dear.
2: (laughs) So in this segment of the show, let's talk about finding the right VC and getting prepared to talk to the VCs and making the cut during due diligence. That's all prep stuff, right? After our sponsor break later, we can talk about what you say when you get in front of the VCs. Now, there are all three critical parts of success in getting to that Series A.
1: Hey, that's a great segue, and I do love me a good segue because that's the title of this episode, Getting mm-hmm. to Series A. So, how does an entrepreneur find the right VC investor? I've often heard and read that this is a numbers game. You know, Elizabeth Yin and Mark Suster, for example, both talk about making first contact with 200 VCs, getting to first base with 20, and finding one to three who will fill your round.
2: That's true. That's true. They also talk about kind of going down to Silicon Valley or from wherever you are going across to it or something and setting appointments with, say, 14 of them in two weeks and telling each one know that you're coming and they'll talk to each other. I, I get all of that. So I'm a big fan of the work of Elizabeth and Mark. But here, I'm going to break ranks. I'm going to beg to differ. This is a numbers game because always almost nobody does the hard slog and work of doing their research to know which VCs to approach first. And if you do that, you can actually save weeks of trying to communicate with scores or even hundreds of VCs who have no interest in you or your project. So instead, I'd suggest the following. Step one create a list of the companies that precede you in your field of work. For example, if you're building the next distributed workforce support tool, uh, Make a list of all the companies that are already in the field. There are a lot of pieces of software that help you know manage this distributed workforce. Salesforce for salespeople and HubSpot for marketers and Concur for expense tracking and SAP for customer interaction tracking and Intuit for financial management and Zoom for audiovisual communications and there's Trello and Basecamp. This list goes on and on and on. It's all of these pieces of software. They can be deployed by our much, much larger group of uh, distributed workforces, by which I mean, you know, employees working from places other than a single office environment, most of us working from home, right? right? Now, keep that list going, all right? First, you segment the list to focus on the companies that are building something similar to what you're building. If you have a better project management system, a virtual whiteboard, an HR communications and information gathering system, whatever you're building, get the short list of who came before and who is in the marketplace today. Okay. Step two. You find articles and press releases that provide any indication that the VCs made money on that. All right? So if the VCs made money on it, that's the ones you want to focus on, right? They've already invested in stage one. You're building stage two, and they've already had a happy exit. Those are the guys who invested in them, who made money on them, and then find out finally, right? Who was it? So, again, here we go. You're going to do three research things. One, find out who else is in the marketplace already, which VCs funded them, and who led the round. Once you have that mature list, you can find out who led the deal. There's a person with the title of either general partner or managing director who had you know something similar like that, right who led that deal. That's the person who's proud of her or his work right? That VC called it, and they were right. The startup got this VC's money. It actually grew. It scaled. It exited successfully. And that's the guy you want to meet and tell all about your company because that person has seen success and will be
1: amenable to seeing it again. So that's your short list, folks. It takes time to complete the research. But when Mm -hmm. you're done, you'll know a lot more about your competitive landscape, what makes your solution better, more cost-effective, and more earth-shaking than what came before. And it will help you make more sales. It's a good thing. We love revenue. Mm -hmm. And for these purposes, it will help you condense your introduction to that killer what I do in 60 seconds or less that will make you want to fund and work with me now.
2: Yeah learning the history of the most closely aligned companies to whatever you're doing will even help you understand what you have to build first. What features you can add later. It'll do lots more than that, right? Learning history helps us repeat the what went right and avoid the mistakes of the past. Knowing which markets these earlier companies breached first and how they grew is not only insightful, but it's stuff you can share with VCs. And they want to know that you really know your business. They didn't know, say you really know your product. You know your business, right? So make phone calls to the leadership teams of those companies that already exist or did exist or whatever, right? Ask the retired folks to serve on your board. Getting a former CEO of Concur to sit on your board is tantamount to say, uh, you know, putting a sign on your forehead that reads, "We are the next big thing." The one person in the world to know. We are the next big thing is sitting on my board of
1: directors now. Wow. Okay. With that, we have to take a break now for our sponsors. We'll be right back with some more insights into the world of venture capital on VC Confidential.
0: More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up.
3: That's podcast.wmr.fm. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let top SEOs give you peace of mind.
0: TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Musick are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential. Only on WMR.fm.
1: Welcome back to BC Confidential. I am Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, talking about what you, as an investor, advisor, or entrepreneur, need to know about venture capital. So, before the break, we open the conversation with directions on how to build your shortlist to avoid trying to connect with hundreds of VCs who have no interest in funding your project. Julian, mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. we got our, sh- we've got our short list of senior decision makers at VC firms who have invested in the past and seen successful exits from companies that built earlier versions of our superbly disrupting technology. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do next?
2: Well, Anne, I think it would be a good idea to know what to say when you do get an appointment with that short list person.
1: Indeed. So you and I listen to a lot of pitches. Oh, yeah. Most of them are complete rubbish. Oh, yeah. Sorry, all you entrepreneurs listening now, but it is true. If you are an investor listening here, you probably know that. Mm -hmm. Very few pitches are actually compelling, Jillian. You're on. Tell us what makes a compelling pitch and what makes pitches bomb. Absolutely i'm in (laughs) so
2: i actually want to start with the delivery not the content everybody has an um Um. sometimes it's yeah actually the word um, um but often it's the word so i've heard so many pitches and no pun intended there right in which they get from slide to slide and each time the new slide comes up they say so They didn't mean so. They meant I have to get my head in order and read what's on the slide so I can tell you what's on the slide. You don't notice it now, entrepreneurs, trust me. But if you listen to your own pitch, you will clearly hear it. It's the sound or the word that you use to fill in the dead space while your tongue catches up with what your mind has to say. Right? You get to your next slide or your next point, that's when you say that sound.
1: Yeah, I think it's there's actually a term for it. It's called a filler, uh, yes. filler, but not just a word. Often it's an entire sentence. And here's one of the worst ums of all, even worse than you know, because that's <laughs> or right, you know, like that like, <laughs> you know. Here's the one that's really worse: is that's a good question, or I'm glad you asked that. Yeah. During an, the investor Q&A at the uh-huh. end of a presentation, and here's yes. why. you know, Psychologists will tell you if you don't know an answer, or you want time to make an answer when you're asked a question, you say that's a good question or you ask a question back. But when you are on the time limits of Q&A and, or a presentation, but mostly Q&A, You've just wasted six seconds of your precious four minutes. If you have that much, sometimes it's only three, saying nothing. (laughs) That's why practice is so critical. And as an aside, I would also recommend record yourself and listen to what you sound like as you practice. Get rid of your ums and be prepared to launch into the meat of your statements and answers. Power comes from fewer words and... Fewer words say more. Notice that is four words. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Fewer words say more. Yes, I have a wonderful story about writing a very long uh, final paper in high school, and the professor who had come from the university, uh, the professorships and so on, was teaching as a guest in this high school at the time. Just one class it was so exciting. Right, wrote at the end of these ten pages of stuff because that's what the thing had to be. I thought, right, and he wrote, you know, brevity is a virtue. And he he said, uh, I think he wrote actually all all of the words. He said, and remember always, brevity is a virtue. And then he crossed out everything except brevity is a virtue. And I never (laughs) forgot it.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, the rest of the class,
2: rubbish. Boy, did he teach me. (laughs) So any word that modifies the meat of your answers weakens it. Notice I used the word so. Oops. Oops. Yeah. Practice, folks. Use the pregnant pause but only use it once. Absolutely at the most, use it twice, maybe once at the beginning and the end. But if you use it a lot, it's just wasted time also. Spend less time on product examples. Spend more time on revenue streams is my
1: second tip. And that's one of my favorites because Again, how many presentations and pitches have we seen and heard where it's all about the product? And I know I'm, I'm getting on in years, and you know, I'm really careful with my time now because who knows how much you're it's telling fun. me you're getting crotchety and impatient. <laughs> I've been you're there for impatient. years. <laughs> yeah, okay. So <laughs> I actually will stop somebody pitching me and say, okay, skip down to the part about the revenue streams, because Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've got a wonderful product or you wouldn't be here. I don't care about that. And I'm from marketing. I'm supposed to care about that. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so that's a really powerful way to go about it. And I'm going to throw out an example. And here we go. The cost of our product is X dollars per seat. Currently, we have y that's your number of customers for a gross mrr monthly recurring revenue of and that's your number that you calculate there we are right, raising X number of thousands of dollars yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, we are raising y number of dollars for uh and then you go on to what you would do with it. But notice that I didn't talk about how the product works or is pretty. Now, you might feel like you need to. Please, please, please just take 30 seconds out of a four-minute pitch. It yeah, may be 90 seconds out of a 10-minute pitch. Talk about the beautiful product. Take the rest of the time and talk about what, Jillian? Money. <laughs> Seriously, talk about the money.
2: Many folks get that so wrong. So many folks get that wrong. They ignore or they simply forget that investors
1: are the money people. They must focus on the money. And may I point out, you used so properly In that sense.
2: That's right. It was not a so comma. It was so many folks get that wrong. (laughs) Exactly,
1: I love me some precision in this in language and diction. So Uh, I've often heard you explain it this way. Oh, you used it wrong. (laughs) Ah, See, well, we like to give good examples, don't we? There you go. I've often heard you explain it this way. Someone has handed these VCs a box of money and said, how fast will I get it back and how large? How much will I get back?
2: That's right. How large will it be when I get it back? These are critical questions that need to be answered for investors, both the investor in the fund and then the manager of the fund. Reasonable expectations for size, you know, a 3x minimum, which means 300%, to maybe 100x or more for unicorn exits, and time, about 10 years, have been promised in these conventional venture capital funds, because those are potential returns that are... Are, listen carefully, commensurate with the risk of the asset class. This is a highly risky asset class. It is not anywhere near FDIC insured. The job of the VC is to focus on getting those kinds of returns. More than 51% fail completely, right? Highly risky, meaning investors are going to get no money at all back. Only a very few consistently make outsized returns for their funds, and those guys get into the news. The balance do a poor to decent job of getting some returns. Almost none of them get a higher return than the average investor could earn in the public markets, That's stock markets and REITs and similar things. Highly risky indeed. Now, when someone who has invested hands over a box of money, it's a wealthy individual. Okay, well, they know the risks. They can afford to lose their investments, so be it. But when that fund is larger and the manager works with institutional capital, the fund manager is playing with your cousin's uh, daughter's fireman's fund retirement money. You don't want that fund manager looking at anything except whether the deal she's looking at is likely to earn her fund a very good ROI. Once you have that in mind, your entire pitch will focus on the business model, the revenue streams, the gross margins, the expected ROI in terms of both time and capital to the fund. We anticipate exiting at a 20x ROI in three and a half, seven and a half years, whatever the heck it is, right? You will get, you know, you'll touch on your project and your product. You'll focus on the moat the barrier to entry that covers the reasons why what you've built cannot be easily replicated by another firm and especially by another firm with better capitalization already in place, right? This includes the complexity of building your product, the months it took to produce it, the patents, the potential patents, the first to market advantages such as brilliant marketing juggernauts that will catapult this brand into the marketplace with blitzkrieg speed to stop competitors before they get started and so on. And finally, you'll tantalize this investor audience with just a snippet of what your product looks like. Again, you should have shown them an image. And remember that earlier 30 to 60, 90 second, uh, you know, description, depending on how many minutes you've got with them. right. Then you'll show them what problem you're solving, why your solution is so earth-shaking that the whole world will use it, thereby making you a unicorn-sized company capable of providing a powerful exit to that VC fund before diving into the business model, revenue, and marketing plan, etc., You did it once. You wrap up by showing them again. And at this point... You can invite the investors to request a demo. Then they can see the product that will earn them their keep. And if you've done well in covering what the VCs need to know, trust me on this, they will want to know more about your beautiful product that will take them to the finish line. Check out, you know, this show and similar
1: things. You'll see how this gets done. You know what? What? I'm mulling all this over and my head is spinning. We need a break. And our sponsors need <laughs> us to take a break too.
2: That sounds so, good. Then we'll
1: uh, we'll kind of recap what you yes. need to say when you get in that door. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So this is VC Confidential, and we will be right back.
0: More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.fm.
1: Welcome back to VC Confidential. We are so glad you joined us there. I used it right that time. Did you notice that? We are so I glad. I did. Yeah. <laughs> In the last segment, we talked about how to approach the VC's and you've identified the right VCs, which we talked about in the first segment. So, <laughs> we that did. was the wrong way to use it. <laughs> <laughs> we love to give demonstrations here. Uh, yeah. Before the show, before the break, you mentioned something about the most powerful presentation you ever heard. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah. yeah. I've talked to you about this a couple of times, I think. I was working with one of our venture partners partners who was just learning the business of becoming a VC. And we were taking as many pitches as we possibly could. We heard from a number of people and she thought some of them were quite good. And then she heard this pitch and was like ready to invest right there on the spot. Could not believe it. Right, That was the most powerful pitch I'd ever heard. And it was given by a guy who was raising money for an app, wait for it, that let people manage either ad hoc or organized tennis teams. I kid you not. It was certainly not a world-changing anything. (laughs) But here's the deal. His command of the market size, the potential revenue streams, his powerful, steady delivery, it revealed his unshakable conviction that this app was going to become a billion-dollar multinational corporation. And he raised $10 bucks on it. It was, of course, utter nonsense. What impressed me about it and what it impressed upon me is this. A powerful delivery trumps almost everything else. That's sad, but true.
1: It is sad, and it is true, and may I also add frustrating. Mm -hmm. I can think of dozens of companies that might have built something really useful for better ways to live and work together with that $10 million. Yes. And instead, this guy was clearly a great salesman. Yes. Yes. Knowing
2: that one of the things you must accomplish as a founding entrepreneur, as a leader in that company is to be a good presenter, if you will, almost a good actor, right? You must be an orator, right? Knowing that, will help to focus you on what's important. Because often you think, no, I have to build this thing, I have to build this thing, I have to build this thing. Think as well, I have to capitalize this thing. And if what you've chosen to do is conventional venture capital, because you're quite sure that what you're building needs that conventional venture capital and will become a unicorn company that returns those outsized returns, then this is one of the things you must learn. No choice.
1: Either do it or get somebody else to lead. Okay, Jillian. Before we run out of time, which sadly is coming up, please do a recap with the hot tips for both entrepreneurs and investors. Okay, I'll do the first one. Top of mind, do
2: your research in advance. The people you want to talk to are, listen carefully, take notes, senior decision makers, either general managers or managing directors or similar kinds of uh, uh, titles of venture capital companies who have invested in earlier versions of what you're building and saw a happy exit from them. Second, you want to talk to VCs who invested in similar stuff, but not exactly competitive. So you're a good match to round out their portfolio in your sector. All right. Those two types go find those guys. Okay.
1: I'll take the next one. Okay. Get rid of your um or your <laughs> so. <laughs> Listen to yourself, figure out what your um is and practice, practice, practice to delete it or them from your pitch. You will become a better public speaker and a more interesting conversationalist as well. You will sound more powerful and you will feel more powerful. Who doesn't want that? In truth, you will be more powerful because you will organize your thoughts and take command of how you express them to others. Yes, in order to lead, lead yourself, in order to
2: manage, control yourself. I think that's an important tip. So finally, tip number three, focus on what the VCs need to know first, not your pretty little baby. It's not that they don't care about what you build, it's that you must put your information in order so they will and can listen to you at every step of the way. First, how will you make the money? second, the details of your pretty little
1: product that's going to make it all happen. And that's a wrap for this episode of VC Confidential. We invite you to join us each week for a new episode as we take this deep, deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and share learnings and ideas on the inner workings of the shrouded corner of business finance known as venture capital. We'd like to thank our producers at WMR.FM who kindly agreed to take a chance on our new show, VC Confidential. You can listen to future shows right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. You will find all of our CEO Coach podcasts there as well. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are glad you joined us this week on VC Confidential. You can find out more about us at outlinesventure.com. Till next week.
0: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors.